0: I think the call to leadership right now is to sit in this deeply uncomfortable, unsettled time and still have the heart to lead. I think that's the only way forward and we can't do it alone.
1: Hi, Vicki Robin here, host of What Could Possibly Go Right, a project of the Post Carbon Institute in which we interview cultural scouts, people who see far and serve the common good, asking them, each our one question. In the midst of all that seems to be going wrong, what could possibly go right? Our guest today is Akaya Winwood. She facilitates transformation. She advises, trains, and consults how change happens individually, organizationally, and societally. She was president of Rockwood Leadership Institute for many years and directs the Growing Roots Fund, which supports young women finance and philanthropic learning and leadership based in generosity and interconnectedness. Akaya received the 2020 Vision Award from Middlebury College, was one of Conscious Company's 30 women changing the world in 2018, and has been featured a speaker at the Stanford Social Innovation Institute, the Aspen Institute, and the New Zealand Philanthropy Summit Conferences. She is an Ella Award recipient from the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights and served on the Alameda County Human Rights Commission. Akaya is deeply committed to working for a fair and equitable global society while infusing a sense of purpose, delight and wonder in everything we do. Now, here's Akaya Windwood. Welcome, Akaya Windwood, to What Could Possibly Go Right. Uh, we are recording now in December of 2021. As the news of, of this new Omicron variant is spreading, we don't know where it's going to spread to or how severe it's going to be, but to say that we are in an ambiguous, unknowable moment is an understatement but those who've been dedicated like you have to movements for change, for kindness, for regeneration, for repair, for writing all that's been wrong. We all stretch to see enough to provide some leadership. And you've taught leadership skills to movement builders for decades. And I'm curious in this context of inquiry of this podcast, what you see as possibly now going right when the old tools of social, emotional learning and and, and social and movement building, when the old tools, the gathering and and the improvisational conversations in the hall, all of that that we relied on for decades to build the relationships that would build the movements that would build change, that's sort of all gone online or gone underground. And I I, I wonder if we're learning something powerful and new. It's just like, so I'm just... Singling that piece of the, the vast domain that you have paid attention to, and wondering about what you see now as movements for change are strengthening, but not in the old ways. What do you see now on the horizon? Are we getting stronger in this trial by COVID and, and climate failures? So, given that setup use it however you will. But Akai, what do you see in this time could possibly go right? Well, that's a big question. Um,
0: (laughs) Right now I'm seeing a lot of of fear, a lot of um, discomfort. Um, And I'm I'm watching as leaders are getting disheartened and um, very unsure. And I think that's actually a good thing because the ways of leading, spoke to that a minute ago, that worked in the past just don't work anymore. So here we are um, at the brink of, or in the middle of, you know, Joanna Macy is telling us the truth many other folks, um, the middle of this huge transformation. And I don't know if it's true for you, but I know that whenever I have had a personal transformation period, it is never comfortable, ever. And I can get to the other side of it and go, wow, I'm so glad I did that. And it was hell in some ways, right? So to be able to, uh, I think that call to leadership right now is to sit in this deeply uncomfortable, unsettled time and still have the heart to lead. Um, I think that's the only way forward and the, we can't do it alone. So one of the old tropes that actually never was true was that somebody, somebody would be on a mountaintop leading us somewhere. And, um, you know, we'd all line up behind that person and we'd all go off into some adventure. Well, what's true is even for that person on the mountaintop leading, somebody was tending to the babies and the gardens and, the, you know, making sure the phones worked and the emails got answered. So there, that whole notion of individualistic leadership just never was true. And it's a toxic, toxic myth. So we're gonna get through this time. I'm sure of that, and none of us can do it alone. So where I see the, uh, when I look out and I go, oh, that's what's going right. There's a huge movement um, that is, let's call it a wave, that is almost on shore. And it's a movement of like-hearted people across all things—race, class, gender—all the things, right—that we are where that identity tells us would separate us from one another—that um, is going to to come ashore soon, and um, is deeply unsettling to the the structures and powers that currently exist. Mm-hmm. It, we can see it, Arundhati Roy said, "I can hear it. It's right around the corner." So. Um, And as I'm I'm looking at the young ones, oh my goodness, they're thinking so differently from my generation, I'm a boomer. Um, They're thinking differently, they're connecting differently, they're on the planet differently, and that's what's ahead of us. And I'm so excited about what's coming. Now, that said, these next, I'll say 10 to 20 years are gonna be very strange as they, you know, as old systems fall apart and new ones come in to replace them. Um, and uh, new other things are coming to play that we won't, you know, I may never know about, um, but the, the seeds are here. So I'm, I'm quite hopeful. That's actually not true. I'm quite optimistic. And in the long run, I'm deeply optimistic. In the short run, I'm sort of optimistic. <laughs> um, again, assuming that what I'm seeing from the young ones is will come to pass, we'll be
1: fine. Wow, there's so much in, in what you said. I mean, one of the things I'm so curious about is what you are noticing in young people uh, in the ways that they are feeling the world, organizing themselves in response. Um, and that you say it's different from how we did it. And I am certain it's different from how we did it. I mean, I really, I've sometimes joked that I feel like Moses, you know, my job is just to you know, get across the Red Sea. <laughs> You know, and you know, get get the 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 masses across, uh, you know, across the desert. You know, all our unruly people. You know, just like that's a whole big job and it's itself. But you know, what is what is it that you're seeing in younger people that is new and different and encouraging and surprising and maybe a bit alien or whatever? What is it you're seeing? Um,
0: I'm seeing that one the the trope called Moses just doesn't exist anymore. Right. So it's going to be, everybody comes and, or we all come or enough of us come that the rest of us come. Um, so that, that kind of, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself. That kind of, I'll tell us where to go or show us what's best that we will show us what's best. Um, I, w- I watched as they organized on TikTok, um, a response to a, somebody making this a, a ridiculous thing happen last year, or try to happen a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden this huge movement happened in, within days that none of us could have predicted. And I found myself going, oh my gosh, what is that? That's just brilliant. So their capacity to connect quickly, um, throw out ideas and move on it, that's remarkable. Um, So that's what's got, uh, um, I don't know what they're thinking about, but I am deeply grateful that they are thinking about
1: it. Right, is the word hope? Is it optimism? Is it expectancy? Is it, you know, I will just stay, I'll stay, Aligned with and beside and supportive of the the young people as they define what they see. I
0: think that's crucial. You know, we led in a particular time and context, um, and that particular time and context is complete. So the tools that I learned uh, about, about leadership just aren't working anymore. Or aren't working in the way that they that are that's helpful. So I've been talking to some of, you know young folks, and when I say young folks, that's anybody under fifty these days, right? Um, you know, is it time for my generation to you know just go you know shuffle off our mortal coil? And they're saying no. Actually, we don't. Here's what we need: we want you here, we want you with us, but we want you beside us. And, and supporting, not just disappearing. And, you know, I grew up in a time where getting older was in a lo- the larger context, was a thing one avoided at all, if you could, right? Now, as, a, as an African-American getting older and particularly as a woman, you gain power. As a U.S. American in a white dominant culture, women lose power as we age. So um, I'm sitting in two places with it where, you know, in my communities where where people understand that aging comes, along with aging comes a certain responsibility to tend to what's coming next in a particular way to get out of the way of what's coming and yet support what's coming. Um, That's been great. And so that's kind of where I'm leaning into my current leadership, which is about supporting the leaders that are coming behind me. Right. And then that's where I develop develop all my optimism. Because, you know, and that's not too, I wanna be careful to not import uh, my uh, optimism from the um, next generations because it's not their job to create a lot uh, the context workshop in which I get to be optimistic. That said, um, they are imagining things that, that we can't. And there, there's language that I don't understand, but I trust, in part because I'm watching these deeply committed young people, I sound like Mr. Rogers here, Um, these deeply committed people, people who are connecting to each other, um, fussing with each other, but I think that's, you know, humans fuss. I don't think that'll ever change, but aren't giving up on each other. And that's something that's really needed right now. And who, who are not giving up on each other, but they're also understanding that we have a common destiny and um, independent of any kind of identity politics or identity, that you know, we're part of this planet and part of all life. So I can perhaps get stuck in my notion of who I am in this you know, other thing, but it isn't much when I think about who we are.
1: As humans, as part of the whole natural world, I see that shift too that um, that sense of shared destiny,
0: yeah.
1: and there's nothing like a climate crisis to make you realize that you have a shared destiny with people and things and beings you never thought of as anything other than, you know, like sort of like walk on characters in your movie. That's right. Um, That's right. And um, I, I think that awareness is, is it, it went from like denial to, Oh, we'll get ahead of this and we're going to tell you how to do it. You know, it's been very fast, this awakening to sort of a general social Awakening to that we have a crisis it's almost like it's been concurrent with the pandemic
0: mm-hmm.
1: this awareness that we have a climate crisis
0: well it, it, I think at, a, at
1: a, like a general
0: level yeah that's true
1: there as you know there's
0: been people talking about it for a long time I mean I remember celebrating the very first birthday and that was back in the 70s so um, and while we weren't talking about climate then so much, it was still an awareness of, oh, wait, there's something we need to attend to here. And indigenous people have been there all along. So, you know, there was this way that the, again, uh, dominant culture began to catch on to what indigenous folks have known for a long time, which is our interdependence on. You're right. Right. So, um, but, you know, that's 40 years ago.
1: Yeah, maybe in, in, in like the long scale of, of, of changing you know, social so, societies, changing civilizations, rising and falling, 40 years is a blink of an eye. That's true. And right. uh, I think back then, you know, my, with my Moses complex or whatever it was, um, you know, I had this feeling of like, OK, I get it fine, we're going to handle this. You know, I thought that through my work, you know, we were going to really make massive change by the year 2000. You know, I was like, I was on board. I was, you know, the, the 1990s was the decade when all the UN conferences happened on population and development and women and stuff like such a heady time, mm-hmm. such a time of, of, of consciousness rising and feeling potency that that we could get out ahead of the crisis that we were making for ourselves. I mean, I, I took on sustainable development like a religion, you know, like it was like, that was, that's my value set that I'm going to live today such that future generations have everything they need to create the lives that they love in that time. Right. I think I went through a lot of grief about, Oh, we failed, but you know, it's just, as you say, humans fuss. They they don't like march lockstep toward anything. Is there a different quality to the awareness now around the unraveling? You know, whatever words you want to put on it. That is that is it a more broad? Is it a broader recognition? Is it a more sober recognition? Is it how are people responding now? Do you see in your networks to the uh, dawning that this is serious and um, probably unstoppable. Uh, you know, we are going to adapt to it. We're going to make change as we go. What's the different quality? What's, what's to how people are responding for what like this 70s, 80s and 90s, what we did? I don't think we failed at all. <laughs> I think this is part of the
0: Way it happens, um. you know. You um, the things that are atrocious now aren't new. Mm. They aren't new. You know, we, when you think about the what was happening in the indigenous, the school, the uh, boarding schools for indigenous kids that we're now understanding and begin, beginning to look at the horror of that. That was true before we started looking at the horror. What's different now is we we're looking at the horror mm-hmm. and we can't there. The, the, I think the age of secrets is over. Mm-hmm. So what has, what we have been allowing to be swept under the rug to not be exposed um, are now we're looking at it all. And we can't heal what we can't name. Right. So the act of, of seeing it, naming it, um, and then trying to f- think about what, what's restorative here, what needs to just be let go of completely, what can be recycled, um, that, that's crucial. It has to happen. And so, you know, in many ways, this sounds terrible, I guess, but I'm grateful for COVID. I call her Corona, because she's allowing us to sit still long enough to look at some things we, in our hurried, crazed early world, where you know we just didn't have the time to look at. Now we do. We're looking at inequities in healthcare. We're looking at, and that's a global thing, but th- that's always been so. So, um, or it has been so in in our current. Um, context of uh, big big systems, right? So that we are talking about really hard things uh, is is essential. They're not going to go away just because we, you know, put our hands and our, our fingers in our ears and and hope for the best. Now, um, that said, I do think that again, these next, several, these next 50 years are going to be very tricky because if I look at, you know, we're animals, humans are. We're mammals. And animals under threat don't do well. We don't make the best decisions in terms of our collective well-being. It kind of comes down to uh, am I food or you food, right? And our reptilian brains are really alive right now. But our reptilian brains are not the only brains we have access to. And I think there are enough of us now who are saying, yeah, I'm scared, I'm uncertain, I'm all of that, and I also can reach toward folks instead of uh, lash out. Right. And that's what I'm counting on. There's
1: so much in what you just said. I, uh, uh, two things I just want to mention. One is I wrote down the word sobriety um, because I think um, what you said about Corona being a force that has, has, you know, it's just sort of sat us down. It's been an intervention, if you will, just been a major intervention in our headlong, headstrong, we are right and we are certain. And, um, there is no alternative Tina, you know, the old Mar- Margaret Thatcher thing. Um, it's just sit down and think about what you've been doing. You know, just sit in that corner and, um, you know, that's the the term I, it's religious, but the term apocalypse is the great mm-hmm. unveiling. That's right. It's the, it is. So it's apocalyptic, not an, as in terrible. It's apocalyptic. And finally, we get to see the consequences of our actions, which is you are never free until you actually can confront the consequences of your actions and make a legitimate choice. You know, so it's, it's, an, it's such a potent time yes. for that. And, and what I'm hearing you say is sort of like the learning from that is inbred in the severity of what we're going through. It's not, you know, optional learning that you take a weekend and you go to a workshop and then you go like, I just had the most amazing insights. Let me tell you about them, except I can't remember what they are. <laughs> this is like, you're going to sit there. And I mean it's almost like this new variant is like, no, you're going to still sit there. <laughs> No, we need to sit there. I'm remembering the first, you know,
0: months of the pandemic. So this would have been March, April, May, June, 2020. And I literally sat in my garden and went nowhere. And, you know, I'm I'm somebody who was on a plane every other month at the very least, right? And um, I, I literally sat still. And all of a sudden I started to notice, wow, there well, what is that bird? And and because there were no planes in the sky at that time, there was a quiet on the planet that I actually could he- hear like the bees. And I remember that time of uh, that with, with, with some deep fondness now because it, it we were quiet enough that the you know some of the animals returned to the wild spaces and then we decided that oh okay well that we'll just get a bunch of vaccines and and I'm not disrespecting any of that but this notion that we're just going to go back to normal and as as kind of like a panacea we're it, we're just going to get better again and you know what? it's not mm-hmm. it's we 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 were we are going to profoundly
1: change. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think all of us on some molecular level know that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what, it's, what we're changing into, but we right. do know that we're changing. And so, right. to be, so to be able to sit with some equanimity while we're undergoing this massive shift, I think that's one of the biggest tasks of leaders right now.
1: Mm -hmm. It's a sort of a dynamic tension between equanimity, you know, the kind of leadership where you become trustworthy to others because you are not acting out of your egoic needs. You know, you become trustworthy because, and at the same time, this sort of like drumbeat of like, You know, like we got to stay at 1.5, and we're not doing it. You know, I think it's almost like we've just acknowledged that that all the king's horses and all the king's men are not going to put Humpty Dumpty of climate back together again. This is not happening. That's right. That's right. And it's almost like this is a potent moment because we recognize, you know, the people who just occupied the seats called that had the name tag grown up. (laughs) <laughs> you know they're just not occupying it it's almost like we're being asked collectively to be grown-ups in the situation whatever situation we're in to be the he or she or we who observe notice choose evaluate move it's a very different time it's it It is actually a time of collective leadership because, not because somebody has a good idea, but because we're all embedded in multiple systems and our activity in those systems impacts them. So we're all, it's a, you know, we we used to talk about leaderful networks and leaderful this and leaderful that. I think it's that time.
0: Yeah. I found myself, as you were saying all that, getting a little overwhelmed. And I was, okay, so what's happening here? The overwhelm, I think that by thinking that I'm supposed to attend to every single system that I, in which I am embedded, I might as well give up now. Right. So one of the things I've been talking about lately is the importance of doing the work that is yours to do and only doing that. Mm-hmm. So for me to say, what is my particular work? And let me only do that means that I then don't have to be concerned about your particular work. I don't need to be monitoring you. I don't need to be wondering if you're taking care of your business. So you you can trust that I'm doing my particular work. And I believe that every human is here for a particular reason. Right. So if I think, oh, my gosh, I have to change the financial systems and the, the, you know, all the rest of the systems. And then there's racism. And oh, my God, people are dying in the street. And then there's hunger and all of that. I can't. Then I'm immobilized. But if I if I'm clear that, you know, I'm here to um, insist upon a, a particular set of values that are about all of us and. Um, collective well-being and attending to all life, which is why I'm here. Then I can quiet my voices of "Oh, you're supposed to be attending to all of it," which I think is a an artifact of white supremacist patriarchy. And let me go about my business. So, um, if I'm doing my business and you're doing yours and we know that we're involved in a community and network of humans taking care of what they're really here to bring, then I can relax and get about mine. Mm-hmm. Again, understanding that it's in intricately and essentially connected to all of it. Right. I'm not talking about an individualistic my business
1: here. No, no, I understand. Let make that clear. It's a it's a trust. If I do, yeah. I mean, that's right. And I think it's funny in this conversation. I'm I'm really hearing so much of my own um, embedded in white supremacy, embedded in you know, boomer mentality. I mean, I just feel how embedded I am in, in the narratives that have occupied me, you know? My- How could you not be? How could I not be? No, of course. Um, and, um, And this thing you said in the beginning that as a sort of, as white women develop white hair, we become invisible. And as women of color develop white hair, they become matriarchs. You know, they become they become the sort of moral recognized, you know, moral uh, anchor in a community. I will,
0: I'm not comfortable speaking about all women of color. I am, I am comfortable speaking as an African-American woman that that has been my experience, definitely. Right. That I, can, I can speak to um, and have to uh, a younger one who needs a, some attention. In terms of that behavior, and I can speak a word and get paid deep attention to, it, right? Um, so I don't have the experience of being a white woman in which I'm becoming invisible. I, that I, I'm finding that as I'm aging and as my hair gets whiter and whiter, I become much more visible, right? And it's an interesting visibility, right? It's it's asexualized. There's no, there's no. I'm aware of you because you are a particular kind of attractiveness or right it's more of a, I'm aware of you because i because you're carrying a different kind of power.
1: Bingo. Yeah. That is, I think an opportunity of aging. And a, and a responsibility. Yeah, totally, totally. To assume the power that is yours to assume, not, yeah, to assume the responsibility that is yours to this is very much where I am right now in my own uh evolution. Yeah, and, and so I appreciate <laughs> this is not a coaching call for Vicky, you know, but uh this is um it's a very interesting inquiry into like how young people are moving, is your is your observation of the young people you're connected with and how they're working as as a we, and they're working um, collectively and they're waking up and they're being sober about things. And also how older people, like with your work with Bill McKibben and the third act, how older people are stepping into a, a different kind of responsibility and power in relation to the apocalyptic moment we're in, this time of incredible change. I want to make a small adjustment to the, uh, we
0: don't get to assume the power that's that's that we're actually given it. Mm. And, and it's given to us by those who are watching and who are younger. And that's very different than me saying, Oh, now I'm an elder and I'm going to assume this power. It doesn't happen. Right. that much. Right. Right. Um, I didn't, I didn't, begin to even call myself an elder until the people who are around me began to think of me in that way. So it was it's a power that is um, offered. Mm-hmm. And that's really different. I couldn't have come in and assumed that power.
1: You're right, good. Yeah, I, I've noticed that as well, that you're only an elder to the degree that you are being recognized by somebody younger as, a, as an elder, they, a, they draw on you. It's like you become a, a resource. And, that's right. Yeah. And
0: it's wonderful. It is so much fun. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I have so much more freedom to not know things. And to just, you know, say, here's, here's my wisdom. You're welcome to it. Um, and understand that it is limited and you know, given from my heart, and we get to laugh. And it's, this is a deeply satisfying uh, time of life right now for me. Mm.
1: I could go on and on and on with this conversation. I feel certain responsibility to being a podcast host and to your time to wind it up. But I just, um, I just say, it takes so much faith, really, To live in this time together. Not faith that it's going to turn out or a particular outcome or that we're going to solve it or there's, it's something different. It's a different kind of, it's sort of like, it's a very ground level faith just to be alive in community. You know, we've been here before, we'll be here again. Human, this is one of my, my, the phrases I'm using now as my sort of ground of being act of faith is life goes on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and civilizations rise and fall. They do conflicts, come and conflicts go and the worst thing in the world, you know, he didn't call you for the prom, you know, <laughs> or whatever the worst thing in the world is that comes and goes the cataclysmic event is not the cataclysmic event it's just a moment in time and we move we live through it that's right and it's the living through it in community you know history is written about the important people and the battles and the but i think there's this other thing of life goes on that we are part of and i think that's a very Strong resource for us at this point. I think that's right. I mean,
0: uh, my beloved Rajasheena Bansali says it's all a leap of faith, and I think that's true all the time. Um, you know, I do believe that humans survive, and uh, we survive in m- many, you know, much fewer numbers, as is reasonable. We survive. Um, we're not at the end of you know, all species have a life. We're not at the end of human life, but we're at the end of a particular kind of human life as we've known it. So um, there will be enough of us who will take the leap of faith that will get us to our next iteration of human consciousness. I'm very sure about that. And there will be those who won't come. And that's fine, too. So, yeah, it's all a matter of faith.
1: Okay, I'm going to let that be a wrap, because it's (laughs) so beautiful. Thank you so much, Akaya. You're welcome. I really appreciate this. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review so that this hopeful message can get out to more people. Check out Post Carbon Institute's Resilience website for show notes and for more guest information. Thanks also to Asher Miller, Amy Beringrude, and Clara Winter of Post Carbon Institute, plus production assistant Michelle Wig from frugalityandfreedom.com.